and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have a super amazing guest for you, Linda Ugelo. Linda helps experts, authors and entrepreneurs overcome the fear and anxiety of speaking online and on stage so they can build their brands, business and thought leadership. With her degree in expressive therapies and 30 years performing experience, she's been able to help people get comfortable in their skin for decades. Although she used to be terrified of speaking publicly, she now delights in storytelling, has emceed a TEDx event and hosts a TV show podcast, Women Inspired. Linda says if you've got a big dream, a big scheme, and you can picture it and feel exhilarated, you earn for visibility, you long to express it and share it with the world, you want to grow out your business, you want your ideal clients to find you, You want to be featured in the media and you want to be seen as an authority to make your mark on the world. Then you hesitate, procrastinate. You don't feel camera ready. There is a part of you that doesn't want to be seen. You see, the challenge that women face is that we're not encouraged to be ambitious. We're taught to seek approval and please. We are praised for being good, for being supporters, not leaders. If you are ready to unleash your full potential as a message of your business, to feel fearless and empowered, well, you're in the right place. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Today we have a very special guest for you and not one from Australia but one from the other side of the world and it's her Friday, Linda Uglo. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. I'm delighted to be here, Catherine. Let's talk about what time is it on a Friday afternoon for you? It's for around 4 p.m. Yeah. yeah, and it's our Saturday, 6 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And you didn't look as rugged up as me. I look, I've got so <laughs> many layers, it's very cold. It quite. It looked quite sunny at your end. It is sunny, it's cool still. Um, I'm north of, north of New York in Boston, so mm. it's quite, it's unfortunately still cool. But, you know, the warmth is coming, yes. I believe. I believe in the cycles of the seasons. Ah, oh, yeah, but they've changed a lot, I think, too. I think yes. they kind of merge. Well, in, in Melbourne anyway, you kind of get four seasons in one day. <laughs> That's great. It is great. So, Linda, for our listeners, we always love to start to uh, get to know you and really understand your story. So tell us your unique story. How did you get to where you are today? 
Well, first, let me start to with what I am doing very briefly, and then I'll go back to how I got here. Sure. So right now, I help women entrepreneurs and women in the workplace become more comfortable and overcome their anxiety speaking, whether it's on camera or in front of a, um, a group of people, in front of a crowd. So on and offline, helping people overcome their fear of speaking. And this refers to people who are new at it and have always avoided it and feel terrified, as well as seasoned speakers who have just found ways to manage their fear, but decide at some point, if I don't have to have it, why keep it around? Mm. So um, that's what I am doing presently. And how I got here was not a very direct path. I never had this in my mind to do. I always wanted to dance, actually. I was a dancer. And when I graduated college, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> and I attempted to. I I had this wonderful pivotal experience during college where I was introduced to dance therapy. And from that point on, I was really, you know, um, enchanted with a whole idea that we can use our body to explore our experience. So we can try a movement and see what it feels like, or we can express our feelings through movement. And coming at it through both ways was always really interesting to me. Unfortunately, I came from a family where my mother was very supportive of me. She kind of danced in college and she loved the whole idea. My father thought it was an awful idea and <laughs> told me that I'd never succeed. And that kind of mindset was very toxic for me. And I, I felt like even though I had big dreams about making this big impact, after, I don't know, 15 years or so, I felt, oh my God, he's right. I can't make a business out of this and I'm not succeeding and I don't know what I'm doing and it's becoming more of a drag than a joy and I don't want to live, I don't want to infect my love of dance that way. So I, I actually just quit. I quit my teaching and I knew I was really, really good at it and the people who I touched were very moved, but I just didn't know how to move on. I felt so stuck and at that time, this was probably in the early 90s, I didn't know there was such thing as a business coach or, you know, what we have today is completely different than what I felt were my resources at the time. So I, I kind of took a long break, like 15 years. And um, during that time, I had a child. And I also got into organic farming, of all things. And during that time, I got back into teaching dance. And I would say to myself, but not for money, not for money. And in that dance community, someone said, hey, does anyone know a, a business coach? And someone put out the name of Marie Forleo, who has an online, a very famous online business program called B-School. And I thought, wow, that looks really interesting. And I started to listen to it. And the first thing I did was apply all the principles to my farm business, which was great. I had, I found my niche market, selling vegetables to local restaurants and the types of things I offered and how I offered it and served and all those things. And it was really very satisfying. But one day I just, it was like I got hit over the head with an epiphany. I, I remember I was weeding the onions and I was listening to some module. I think it was about find your right idea or something like that. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I'm not meant to be by myself on a farm, I'm meant to have a bigger impact. And I had given up my dream because I thought it was grandiose. You know, oh, that's just you thinking that you're special and 
you're you're you can just feel worthy being a a human being that does ordinary things. And I thought, no, no, that's not true. I, if I get to the end of my life and I haven't tried to be extraordinary, if I haven't tried to expand into my full potential, whatever that is, I'm going to regret it. And that was the moment that I, I had this turning of, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to go online. I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'll just figure it out. And I'm just undeterred. I'm just going to keep at it. And that was in 2014. And it wasn't until uh, a year or so later that a friend of mine said to me, you know, Linda, oh, I, so I just want to just quickly insert that what I found to do, I listened in to, well, how can I help? You know, what, what could I possibly offer? And one of the things that struck me was that how people were struggling a lot. And I thought, well, I, I kind of gave up a lot of my struggle a long time ago. And I have a really grounded, strong way of finding the best in experiences so that we feel like we're, we're having the best experience that we can rather than the worst experience that we can. So I started offering free personalized affirmation audios. I'd get together with people online and we'd talk about what they loved and what was hard for them, and that would make them these personalized affirmation audios. And it was great. I didn't really take it much further because a friend of mine said, you know what, bliss is nice. That was what I was teaching, strategies for everyday bliss. Bliss is nice, but you're a performer. So it's true. I've been a performer with the Women's World Music Group for over 30 years now. And I'm the principal dancer. And she said to me, you know, when you're on stage, I always look at you and I think, of your, I think about your radiant presence and I think I want what Linda has. And if you could teach that, that would be really valuable. And I laughed because I thought, what am I just going to teach people how to stand on stage and radiate? <laughs> I mean, how valuable is that? But I thought about it and I started to do some market research about people getting comfortable on video. And the interesting thing, Catherine, was I was not at all comfortable speaking. I was comfortable on stage, being part of a singing group, a, a musical ensemble, dancing. I mean, it had been a process for me to get comfortable, but I was not comfortable speaking at all. So it wasn't until much later when I had a particular epiphany that for myself of what was holding me back and making me so uh, anxious that I began to start working with other people. Mm. That's an interesting one. So you you actually, because um, I can relate to what you were saying, I'm okay on a stage talking, but I'm not okay in front of a camera. And mm -hmm. isn't it interesting that like you were saying that you can perform and dance on a stage, but when it came to speaking, it was a little bit different. So how did you get over your fear? What were some of the tricks? Well, it wasn't so much tricks. It was, it was a, an, it was a question. So what happened for me was I got on an app called Periscope, which was the first, one of the first live streaming apps in 2015 before Facebook came out with it. And I was told, well, if you want to build a following on this platform, you have to go live every day. 
And I decided, okay, I'm going to do that. And every day I, I did it and I was pushing past my fear. I had ways to manage it. I do deep breathing. I dance. I would tell myself affirmations, all these kinds of things. And I'd get myself to a place where I would get on and, and do it. But, you know, day after day after day, I think I got to day 75 and I thought, oh my God, my heart is still racing. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack and I am showing up. I'm doing this every day, but I hate this feeling. Isn't there anything I can do about it? And it was that question, isn't there something I can do about this that I said, okay, well, what are your tools? What if someone, what if you did go into this area and someone came to you with this and they said, I really need to get over this. How would you help them? I thought, well, I have a degree in psychology, a degree in expressive therapies. I've done a lot of personal development work. And I made a list of all my tools that I had at my disposal and kind of made a plan. And I became my own first client. And what I recognized, the first thing I recognized was, you know, asking myself, well, what does this fear actually feel like? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And I kept asking myself that. And I thought, well, it feels like I'm going to be attacked. I thought, okay, that's interesting. Have you ever been attacked? And I thought, well, actually I have. When I was young, Probably my earliest memories was with my sisters and my mom used to give me a lot more attention than she gave them because I was easy. I was the baby. I was good, quotation marks. And she would compare me to them in front of them. Like, why can't you be more like Linda? And this raised a lot of jealousy for them. Understandably, I totally got it even as a young child. And I remember every time my mother would say that, I would think, no, no, don't say that. Because she would walk out of the room and then they would charge me and kick me in my shins and tell me I was stupid. And this was really painful for me physically, but emotionally, because I really loved my sisters and I wanted desperately for them to love me. But what happened was that I learned that it wasn't safe to be the center of attention. And when I realized that, I was like hit on my head of, oh my God, I can't let myself be the center of attention. It's too risky. I'll lose the love of my sisters. And now I've been friends with my sisters for decades now, but there was an imprint from when we were little that was still hanging on me. And that was like the, that was the entryway for me to then be able to kind of clear that away, dissolve that. So, and I think of it kind of like a psychic closet. So it was kind of a process of clearing out all the impacting past experiences that may have taught me that it wasn't safe to express myself. It wasn't safe to be, show myself as I was. It wasn't safe to be seen or the center of attention in any way. Mm, yeah. I love that. And when you think about you know, as I'm, I'm listening to you, I can, um, I think about, uh, speaking is one of the scariest things to do, to, to do. It's up there on the list of, uh, death as, as scary as, as dying. And I think that, uh, when you think about what is that fear? Cause we all have it. And I still to this day, when I'm speaking in front of lots of people, I get a little bit nervous, but I think that that's okay. A little bit of nerves is okay. Cause it shows that you care. 
But there is, when I look at it, it's fear of what? Fear of making a mistake, fear of failure, fear of what people will think of me. Um, but I've never actually related it back to as far back as when I was a child. And when I do go as far back, I mean, I came to Australia in the 70s and I didn't speak English. So every time I spoke, people would laugh and make fun of me. So mm. as you were sharing this story, I was thinking back in my time, what was mm-hmm. my imprinting face and what did I experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because what happens is that when you clear that stuff, if you are in front of people and there's part of you that wants to speak, otherwise you wouldn't be there, but there's part of you that's pulling you in the opposite direction saying, no, 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 it's not safe. Remember what happened? And even though you may not consciously be aware of where that's coming from, that that voice, part of your attention is being taken up by managing that part of your brain that's freaking out. It's like almost like a, P, a mild PTSD or for some people a strong PTSD where they, um, you know, they're getting triggered by the audience. But once that is clear and you're not carrying around that baggage anymore, you have the opportunity to really stand in the presence and be very connected both with yourself and the people who you're speaking with. Mm. And it's, you know, this incredible feeling of presence and expansion. It's kind of like some people are scared of being in the kitchen. You know, some people freak out, you know, having to cook. And people who love to cook don't say, well, it shows that I care to be a little bit afraid of how it turns out. Um, You know, like you might say, well, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it may not be fear. So I, I don't, you know, I think it's an interesting reframe that a lot of people have come up with that idea. Mm. And if it works for you, I think it's great. And if you feel like, wow, if I don't have to be afraid, would that even be better? That's another question to ask. Mm, Absolutely. So for our listeners, I'm sure they're sitting there uh, listening and thinking, okay, so now I've connected to my past. How do I move that away so that the next time I have to get up and talk in front of a group, I won't have this unconscious imprinting that plays out for me. So what do I do to remove that fear? Well, actually, it's not a single thing because there there are a couple of other pieces that are at play in our psyche. One is the beliefs that come out and the decisions that come out of those experiences. So that, that also may have come from our communities and our religions and our, um, the countries that we come from, the social mores that may not be impacting past experiences per se on your fear, but they actually still may put a wall between you and being able to uh, present yourself. For instance, I have a client who her mother, every time she danced, she said, you know, it's not seeming to draw attention to yourself. It's, you know, people, that's not a good thing to do. And, or another client who, whose mother made that comment about other people. So it didn't even happen to her, but like when they got phone calls at dinner time, she was saying how rude it is that people are interrupting. They want things from us. So this client felt like, oh, I can't, I can't, you know, reach out to people because that's bothering them. Because in her family, it was a bother if someone reached out to them to ask for something. And um, and the uh, the third piece, aside from the beliefs, are how we talk to ourselves. 
So it may be that we clear away these other past experiences, but we may have negative self-talk that is kind of like living with a bully inside. And that's going to maintain your the status quo rather than help you move forward. So I think to answer your question, what we need to do is address those, the self-talk and update it because the self-talk that we have is when you think about it, it's pretty old. The kinds of things we say to ourselves, we've probably been saying for decades. And although in our outward communication style, we develop all the time, we learn how to say things more tactfully or effectively. We haven't had that same kind of continual updating internally in our mind necessarily. So it's important to really take a look at how we speak to ourselves. So that's one. The second one is to identify any kind of like community cultural beliefs. And then these other impacting experiences, I think there are lots of ways to come about it. It's not like there's one. I use several different modalities of uh, EFT, which is emotional freedom technique, also called tapping. I use hypnosis, visualization, mental rehearsal, forgiveness exercises, journaling. I use movement. So I bring in the processes that have, you know, that I have come across that have made a big difference for me. And then uh, there's another one also called focusing, which I learned in my expressive therapy program, which is how I discovered my, my childhood scene. So, but it doesn't have to be what I do. I mean, people can, if they feel like they have a, um, kind of a guide, an inner guidance in their own creative personal development, you can find ways with, with just what I'm talking about to release it. You know, like if you get the concept, oh yeah, I have these past things and oh yeah, I think I, I even have a handle of what that is and I have this technique in my back pocket. I'm going to use that. Very likely it would help you. Hmm. So I'm just um, I'm just curious here. I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. So obviously we tap into our self-talk and then once we're conscious of what we're saying to ourselves, we update that language and, and, and speak nicer to ourselves. And the second one is when we connect with these limiting beliefs, challenge them, um, are they, you know, are they truly ours and where do they come from? Um, and then how do you then move away from your limiting beliefs or decisions that you're not worthy or not good enough or that kind of stuff? How do you move away from that? Well, I think those, just those things are attached to experiences. And that's why it's important to go to those experiences. The, the time you were bullied in school, the parents, your parents expecting you to get an A plus when you already got an A, a, um, the choral director telling you to mouth the words instead of sing out loud because you weren't singing on pitch. It, It could be Or seeing another child be ridiculed in school when they stood in front of the classroom and you decided that's not going to be me. Mm. So it's, these are the kinds of things that we get that sense of not being worthy from. Mm. So if you, so that's a little different than self-talk of, um, let's say, "Hmm, I hate the way I look or Um, well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think that they do all connect, Mm. 
But I think that you can tease them apart and address them separately. So for instance, I have a, a course called Watch Yourself on Video Without Cringing. And it's all, it's my, one of my signature processes of getting you from being self-critical to being an advocate for yourself and learning how to, how to take those same thoughts and transform them so that they are helping you and moving you forward in a way that is constructive. Like I, my daughter, when she was quite young, I think she must've been like nine and I, I'm, I'm a pretty calm person. You might get that feeling, but every once in a while I would say something I regretted. And I remember one time she said to me, mom or mommy, I hear what you're saying, but can you say it in a nicer way? And I was mm -hmm. like blown away. I thought, wow, wisdom from the mouth of babes. And it was like, absolutely. And that's how I feel about our inner critical voice. It's like, okay, I hear what you say, but can you say it in a nicer way? So I have something called the best friend test that I love to run things by. Occasionally I'll have a thought in my head. And I go, hmm, is that a self-critical thought? Well, let me see. And I'll say, okay, um, Eliza, you're so slow in figuring this out. No, I wouldn't say that to Eliza. <laughs> but I would say that to myself. Like, come on, Linda, you're so slow figuring this out. And some of these things, they don't, they're, they're hard to detect that they are negative. But what I love about working with the video and with camera and with speaking is that everything kind of like amplifies. It's like, oh my God, I'm in front of the camera. Oh my God, I can't stand the way I look. I don't like the way I sound. And all of a sudden it makes it really easy to get in there and see what are our thoughts and, and then to find the ways that we can turn it around so that, as I said, we can either, um, well, one of the things I like to do is like separate our, the types of thoughts that we have, the types of criticisms, what are the things that we can change and what are those that we can't? The ones that we can't, we need to find ways to accept. So that's what we do. We, we work on the acceptance of that and the ones that we can change, we find more constructive ways to speak to ourselves so that it feels like inviting to change. Like, oh, this is fun. I can't wait to make this video better. Oh, I can't wait to see how I can play with that aspect of, of, you know, my delivery. Mm. I like that. So you're actually videotaping your clients for them to actually catch on or connect with what are those uh, critical thoughts that they think about themselves as they're watching this video. It's a great way to sort of, you know, be more conscious of them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. What are some of the biggest fears that you see that come up when you're working with the clients? What's the most common fear? You know, I think that it's, what are people going to think of me? Um, I'm going to look awkward. I'm going to forget what I'm going to say. I'm going to have a brain. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to forget. Yeah, my brain's going to freeze. I'm going to make a fool of myself. Uh, people are going to see that I'm a fraud. Um, along those lines, mm. basically. But there, occasionally it's even stronger because I have had a client who did have a dangerous relative and she was afraid that if she became too visible, he would find her. Oh, wow. It's amazing yeah. how this all plays out, doesn't it? It's mm -hmm. at that deeper unconscious level or subconscious mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. So, Linda, what I'd love to um, 
always unpack is uh, pain points. And we believe that everyone's got pain points, some pain points in whether it's business or in life. So what would be some of those pain points that you stumble over and how do you get through them? I think, well, the biggest pain point I've had in this recent journey was trying to figure out how I wanted to help people. And it was, it was interesting because I, I had a sense that I wanted to have a run a group program when I first had this idea to help people get comfortable or overcome their fear on camera. And I was in a group coaching program and I did the market research and I was so excited. I came back to the coaching call and I said, I've done this market research. I'm going to do this course. And the, the mentor said, Oh no, Linda, this course isn't about building a group course. This is about you know, building your private clientele first, because it's only then when you really have everything worked out for to apply to a group course. And I tell you, this put me into a tailspin for months, 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 months. And I was, I, I felt like it, I went down to the depths because I could not for the, with all my effort, like figure out, well, if I'm just going to, if I'm going to be a coach, can I marry myself to this idea? I mean, I can, I can give myself over to this for a course, but is that the coach that I want to be? And I really was not sure. And it, I felt like I was journaling all the time. I was, I was praying at night for guidance and, you know, clarity. And I, I thought, oh my God, if I can get through this, I'll definitely be able to help someone <laughs> because I was, I felt like I was really kind of suffering trying to figure it out. And the way out was kind of hilarious, I thought, because we got to the end of the course. And unfortunately, I really didn't feel like I could really benefit from the course from that moment on because I was stuck. What am I doing? What kind of coach am I? How do, what, you know, what direction am I going? And suddenly where I thought I was in a strong direction, I suddenly had this like abyss. So we got to the last coaching call and she was asking for people to kind of give testament to the progress they made and how the course affected them. And the first person gets on and says, well, I didn't use this course exactly, you know, as intended. I used it to promote and launch my book. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. And then the next person got on and said, well, I didn't use this course exactly, you know, as attended, intended, I used it to launch a group program. I went, what, what, you know, how hmm. come they went ahead and did their thing? And here I was being a goody goody, trying to like follow what I was supposed to do according to somebody else, rather than listening to my own inner guidance. Hmm. And they got what they needed from the course, whereas I just got this abyss, all this kind of like darkness that I was swimming around in, kind of lost. But it was a beautiful lesson because I, from that point on, it's like I have to filter everything through my own inner guidance system and make sure that it fits for me. And if just because it works for someone else does not mean it's my path. So it was kind of like a kick in the butt you know, to see this model that like, I'm the one who I'm, I just love following rules. I like, you know, 
I create my quote unquote games for my clients and my groups. You know, I set up the activities and the tasks and they play along with me. And I like to play along for other people in their programs. So that was a big lesson for me. And that Mm. was very, that was painful for sure. I love that. I love the fact, well, it was a bit of a aha moment. And I love the fact that uh, you actually turned your business into what you are naturally good at, like your natural skills and natural talents. Because quite often I hear individuals and even some of my clients I work with uh, go into a business uh, because they think it's a great idea at the time uh, and they can't connect with it you know, because it's Mm. not something that they've physically experienced. But through your journey, Mm -hmm. you've actually, uh, I love the fact that you became your own first client. So you were able to go through the process yourself. Yes. And then my big question was, oh my gosh, this worked for me. Will it work for other people? I have my stories. Everybody has their own. Will it be transferable? And it was, I mean, it was amazing. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, I just have landed on something that's really profound. Absolutely. And so, Linda, yeah. when you help others to speak in front of a camera, do you really uh, unpack a story? Because storytelling is very powerful, isn't it? And, and you've done that very well. You've weaved in your stories through this whole interview. Is that something you focus on, the storytelling piece? No, okay. actually. I don't, I don't at this point do a lot of focus on the content. Mm. I, most of my focus is on the experience. I, so we, there's the piece of like clearing away the, the baggage so that people feel unhindered, but there's another very large area of exploration to be had after that because The thing is that when we respond habitually in a certain way, it's kind of like a neuropathway. So camera, fear, camera, fear, camera, fear. So let's say we remove the stuff, all that psychic garbage stuff that we talked about or resolve it. But you still have the same groove that's habitual response. So we need to create the new habitual response, one that rather than is contracting which is the fear that it's expanding so that it's, you know, opening, it's broadening, it's reaching out, it's connecting. So a lot of my work is on teaching people also, like, what does it mean to be present? What does it mean to feel confident, grounded in your body, um, visually, you know, in, in relationship with the camera lens, or with the audience and what is it to receive energy from the audience? What is it, how does it feel to be in the center of attention and feel like it feels good to be seen to like really delight in the limelight? That's going to be one of the taglines in my book, by the way, delight in the limelight. Mm, I love it. Um, so that's, that's, kind of like a big area for me right now. And that's what I'm exploring all those things. And yes, the storytelling is great, but you know what? There are a lot of other people doing that. There are not many people doing what I'm doing. No, I I love that. So first you actually work. So it's the experience, the fear, you really unpack the fear. And that goes back to whether you're using tapping, mental rehearsing, focusing. I'd like to, I've not heard of this one through your expressive uh, discovery program. What is focusing? Focusing is a process of, tuning into the body for awareness and 
like when you like finding where in the body something may be hanging out, what it feels like, describing it, kind of like bringing it into a visual or sensorial image for yourself. I mean, it might be just on a feeling level, sensation level, or it might be in an image. So that's where I came up for myself with what does it feel like? It feels like I'm going to be attacked. Mm, so that was right. like a focusing. So rather than um, what do you think it is? It was more like where where do I feel in my body? What is it my body reaction feel like? Mm. And my when I thought of my body reaction, it was like I'm protecting myself from attack. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. I love it. I love yeah. your process. It's it like you said, yes, people do work on getting uh the right story out uh they have a process on how to map it out so that you remember your story but this is this is deep work this is very different it is deep and also ultimately it's about like shifting your state of being you know shift, shifting your vibrational state and i do a lot of work with relaxation and you know becoming allow, using those kind of tools to get you high you know like just like i was doing before, because like the chemicals that you talked about earlier, those chemicals, we have like a pharmaceutical closet up in our, in our, um, I guess they're in our glands and in their brain that circulate different recipes mm -hmm. of, of hormones. So like you were saying, I, and I actually agree with you. I've read research on cortisol, a little bit of cortisol. So that might be a little bit of those butterflies actually sharpens your brain. But if you have too much cortisol, it has the opposite effect and it shuts your brain down. So it's kind of like a cooking recipe that you might have the same ingredients in two different recipes, but one of them rises up into a popover and the other one falls down into this leaden mass, depending if you're like, what if you put too much salt in or you put too much um, flour or butter or whatever. It's so we, the recipe, the proportions definitely matter in your body in terms of how you experience mm, um, I love what, that. what's flowing around in there. So you want to, and we do have a tremendous amount of control over that. So I'm, I'm helping people to have their experience of communicating with others one to many feel like a peak experience. Uh, at least that's where we're moving towards. I want people to like feel like this is part of me becoming more expanding into my full potential of my power, my capability, my effectiveness, my passion, my mission. Mm, I love it. It's very deep. And I, I love the question you actually asked was how does it feel to be seen? That's interesting. I'm still thinking about that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes yes yeah thank yeah, you and yeah I'm glad yeah I'm glad it's provoked a few questions oh you. absolutely <laughs> because I think for me when I get up on stage if I uh if I, in front of a big crowd I always get a little bit nervous um but I was taught as well is where do you feel the nerves which direction is it going and just focus on it and give it, make it go in the opposite direction and give it a different meaning. So instead of saying, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, saying, I'm so excited. This feeling mm -hmm. is butterflies within my belly, uh, mm -hmm. you know, amongst you, your brain going, oh, get me off this stage right now. 
Right. So it's it's interesting. You can do it. You can shift how you feel. Absolutely. But you you've can. got to go inside. Yes, you can shift. And I think in the short term, those are the strategies to use. I recommend, you know, taking a brisk walk or dancing or jumping up and down like, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. You know, because if you one thing your body needs to do when it's feeling that is get your your muscles moving. So move it so it has a place to go. You can channel that, that energy. So, yeah, absolutely. If you're feeling that on stage, work with it. Yep. I, I but agree. if you're going to be doing it a lot and you want to change how you feel when you get on stage, then you can um, follow this process that I'm describing mm. so that you have less management to do when you're up there and you can be more about aligning yourself. That's what I want people to be doing before they go on stage or before they go on cameras to align themselves. So they are in their full purpose. They feel like every part of their system is in with intention of what they are aiming to create or affect by the communication they're about to do. Mm, I love it. Love it. So, Linda, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? Care, genuine caring. Oh, genuine caring. Yeah. I like that. I really care about people's experience. I want them to have a better experience in life and in their work. Mm, I get that off you, definitely. Absolutely. And the other thing that we love to ask our woman of inspiration as we wrap up the show is to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? I would say, one, when you go into, when you see yourself in the mirror, to greet yourself with love. Two, forgive yourself every day for what you didn't do or what you did do that you weren't happy with so that you kind of clear the slate every night. And three, celebrate yourself every small step. Mm, I love that. I don't think we celebrate enough, to be honest. No, no. Mm. No. And I, and I think it's, um, I mean, sometimes I've gone through periods where at night I do, uh, and I did it list because, <laughs> you know, we're used to checking things off, but we don't celebrate as we check them off. Mm, I <laughs> so, love that. <laughs> I said, I sent that email. Woohoo. I made a great meal for myself. Yay. I, you know, whatever it is, I mean, it can be big or small, but nothing is too small to celebrate. I love that. And Linda, for our listeners, where is the best place to find you? Well, I do have a free guide of 10 ways to overcome fear that I would love to offer the guests. And mm. that is at lindaugalo.com forward slash blueprint. And my name is U-G-E-L-O-W, lindaugalo.com forward slash blueprint. And I am Linda Ugalo everywhere. So if you... Google my name or you go on any social media, that's where you'll find me. 
Linda, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I feel really calm listening to you. You've got this really hypnotic voice. I feel like (laughs) very sedated. So thank you so very much. And I'm sure our listeners will definitely reach out and um, love to do some work with you. I love what you do. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. You're very, very welcome. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.